Hi, this is Gemma. Before you start listening, please be advised that this episode covers sensitive subjects. Poverty, child loss, murder, blood, death, including the death of children, animal abuse, suicide and mental health will all be covered. Thank you. Welcome to If It Ain't Baroque podcast, your friendly history special. Welcome to our first episode. Today we're joined by author Chris Wood to talk all about his new book, Death in the Theatre. The book covers a variety of ways that people have met their ends while going to see a show, from crowd crushing to murder to tragic accidental deaths. Mentioned throughout was his first book, Famous Last Words. A historic rabbit hole of people's last moments and the words they left behind. Please enjoy the interview. We had a lot of fun with Chris and we hope you do too. Hello. <laughs> Hello both. Thank you for being here. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> you were actually the first one we asked, weren't you? Yep. We, we wanted you first. We were talking about a couple yep. of authors we wanted on and you were the first one the two of us said we wanted on. Oh bless you! Oh, thank you. That's lovely. That's really that's really lovely. Yeah, it's um it's nice to have a little bit of kind of say vindication, but it's nice to know that people like your stuff because I don't know I don't know how many people like they it. do <laughs> they absolutely <laughs> do yeah you guys do definitely yeah and, I, and I'm I'm really yeah um grateful for that to be fair for the support yes it's, it's lovely. So quick mention of your first book. What drew you to writing the first book? Yeah, famous. Seems like a long time ago now. Famous <laughs> no. um, so initially with that one, I just, it was a strange one because I knew I wanted to write something. I just thought, right, how am I going to go about this? What am I going to do? I need to find something that's a little bit different, but still it's going to be interesting for people, hopefully. Um, and I, I got in touch with Pen and Sword and I initially sent those guys, um, the publishers, obviously, uh, an idea about... Um, I live down in Northumberland, so or up in Northumberland, I should say. <laughs> so I wanted to um, initially do something about like uh, loads of you know grisly things that have happened in the county, and I sent the I did a little picture of it and sent it off to the publishers. They said, "Look, we we'll love your style of writing, but we've got loads of books like this already. Uh, you've probably seen it. I can't remember the the series, but it was something like mysterious." murders and crimes or something in Suffolk in Northumberland. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Loads of them. For a yeah. county, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they said, basically, if you uh, can think of another idea, something a bit more kind of original, if you like, um, come back to us and we'll, you know, we'll go from there. So I was just thinking um, about, you know, any sort of different kind of things that I could come up with. And, uh, yeah, I just... I was reading a, an old newspaper, very old newspaper, yeah, on the um, British Newspaper Archive, and I found this one, this case, which is actually the first case in the book, um, Frank Franklin. So it was about what he'd done. He he murdered um, this little girl, horrible story, um, and he lived with it for a year or so. Uh, the, the, the murder was, like, unsolved. And then his um, how it was solved basically was that one night he just couldn't cope with the guilt anymore, so he wandered out to the train track uh, where he lived, and he um, before he did that, so he'd, he'd written a little note, basically admitting his guilt for the for the murder of the little girl, and uh, he took himself down to the train tracks and put himself from the train, so he was killed. And then when they found the body, they found in his little uh, in his jacket pocket, they found this little letter 
that basically um, admitted the guilt of the murder. So I, I found that really interesting, very tragic, of course, but mm-hmm. it was basically his final words. I know, although it was in a written format, but it was his final words which had um, accounted for that tale of, of, of the girl's murder, of what happened there. So, it, it, And I just found that interesting that somebody's last words could mean so much. You know, it could be an admission mm. of guilt, you know, deathbed confession, confession type of thing. Um, it could be a final thing that I said before they were executed, perhaps, as, mm. as there is in the book. Um, suicide notes, it was all types of things that I was finding. Um, so that's what kind of drew us to that. It, it, so initially, I didn't go into it with any, that was definitely what I wanted to write. It was just something totally different, original for the publishers. Um, and yeah, and it seemed to do okay. And then... Uh, as I was coming towards the end of that book, researching it, um, I got the idea for Death in the Theatre. And I, as soon as I got that idea, I was really excited because I thought, right, I love the theatre. This is going to be great. There's nothing out there like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, as I, I found one case, just as a matter of chance, as I was researching, as I say, the last book, and um, I thought, right, let's see if there's any scope, any more instances, not cases like... Um, Sid James and Tommy Cooper, for example, you know, yeah. which we all know about. Yeah. But is there any more sort of random, obscure ones in British theatres? And I found loads, like literally hundreds. So I thought straight away, right, you can write this book. Mm-hmm. But you got to finish the first one first. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a bit nervous because I was thinking, God, what if I do this, put loads of groundwork into it, and then someone else does it in the interim? Because to me, it was just crying out to be done because... I, I'm amazed it hasn't, to be fair. Um, so I am pleased to <laughs> to have finally gotten it out. The first one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think the theatre is just such a... It, it's an iconic thing, isn't it? it? You know, I mean, most people love the theatre and everything that it represents, you know. And uh, the fact that nobody had done anything before about loads, and there's so many... Mm. Yeah, there's 34 mm-hmm. chapters in that book alone but honestly I could have written that many times over loads of different volumes of it I found that many literally hundreds and hundreds of cases um, so yeah that's a, a long a long winded answer for you <laughs> <laughs> do you think you'll write a second volume or are you wanting to something different after this I don't know um, I mean it seems to have, have got you know a, a lot of um, sort of good uh, good reaction to be mm-hmm. honest it's, uh, it's released so I am pleased it could be something that there is scope for and there's also um, possibly um, a, a chance to write one about and this is a difficult thing because I love writing about British stuff but um, I, I was on it I don't know if you, you heard it it was a podcast a few weeks back um, this American one and they were sort of suggesting you know would you fancy doing one about Broadway and all the American theatres oh that would be good um, yeah but I love British stuff I love British history so I thought, <laughs> that's why we're all here <laughs> so we're all here exactly. <laughs> that is it. yeah yeah exactly right so I really don't know but um, I mean I've loved writing it this second one I absolutely have so I would certainly not say um, that I wouldn't write another thing like this again because I've really enjoyed it and I do, I love the theatre um, so writing about that and writing about grisly stuff was just like a perfect thing really Mixed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more death in the theatre or oh, more death <laughs> where do you draw the line I mean would it would it be interesting for people again I don't know, it's um, something I guess I'd have to have a look at but um, 
Yeah, it was hard because I found, as I say, I found so many cases, it was hard whittling down mm-hmm. you know, which ones to use, which ones yeah. to, to include in the book. Um, so hopefully, the majority of the time anyway, it's the most interesting ones that I thought there were anyway. Um, and also, I wanted ones, as I said before there, that you know people didn't necessarily know about. Yeah. Although the most part, that's certainly the way that it's been received. You know, there's been loads of people have, have asked us about cases that they had no idea about, you know, which happened in their local theatre. Um, the Sunderland one, you know, the um, mm-hmm. Victoria Hall where 183 kids died. I mean, something as horrendous as that. And so many local people in Sunderland had no idea, which I found astonishing, really. Um I had never heard of that one before, and I thought maybe, but I thought locals would have heard of it. I mean, yeah, that's it. You know what? The strange thing is with that one as well um, is that when I went there, don't know, maybe six weeks ago or so, and there's a monument to the to the children in Mm -hmm. Bowbray Park in Sunderland, which is just off where where it happened. The building's not there anymore, um, where it happened, but there's just there's a monument next to it, probably fifty yards away from it, and. I was getting some, it was like publicity shots and stuff with the book by that. And um, I spoke to loads of people that walked past it and none of them knew what it was even for, the monument, which is like, which was very sad in itself. You know, these folk yeah. that yeah. it all the time, but they hadn't the inkling or I guess um, desire to sort of notice what it was even about. Um, and I just thought it gave us more kind of, again, say the word vindication, but to write the book, you know, to, to, um, yeah. to keep people... Awareness, basically, kind of mm-hmm. of, yeah. of history. Because sometimes when you pass by, um, people pass by the monument. Sometimes they just kind of it's almost like the furniture of the street. Yeah, that's and true. they don't necessarily come up to see what that's about. Yeah, even true. um with the tower. Um, obviously, I was a huge fan of grizzly stuff and the tower and everything. But it took me a while actually to find the Tower Hill Memorial, which right. is almost kind of blends in with the other. Like I said, street furniture, sort of yeah. the columns and everything, and you need to really look. Say, okay, Thomas More, okay, yeah, here we go. But yeah. yeah, it's sometimes people don't look at it, but they should. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. point. You know, you're right. It does. It does become, as you say, sort of furniture. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, um, and obviously, if something's been there a long time. I guess there is that yeah. kind of inclination to just go past and not really, yeah. not really look into it. But no. the fact that when I wrote the book, it, it made people. Just go back and have a, you know, oh, I never realised that happened. So then, you know, I know people have read back, you know, read more details about certain cases um, because they spiked their interest. So that's great. Um, you know, and that's that's a good thing. Even some of the theatres um, who are, I spoke to in the lead up to the book, um, they're like history tours that they do. They didn't know about some of the cases, you know, that are in the book. So, wow. It is, yeah. It's absolutely bonkers. It just seems to be, and that's what I was finding. Because every time I found a new case in a, in a, in my in my research, I would get in touch with the theatre if it was still around, you know, if the mm-hmm. theatre still exists, and uh, ask them, you know, are you aware of this? This happened such and such a time ago, and they all came back with, "I oh, didn't have no idea of all that." madness. But in some ways, it was good madness for me because I thought, well. This has never been broached before, so it's all new stuff. It's yeah, all new material, and 
Um, so I was really quite okay. pleased in that sense. Um, but I thought at the same time, still very, very sad that, that obviously people have just been forgotten about. And, mm. uh, you know, it's so, a shame. That's just a shame. Yeah, huge, huge. I mean, yeah. some of the, I mean, is there any cases in the book that, that you two particularly, it sort of sticks out? I mean, the, the, the Sunderland one is an obvious one because of the volume. I yeah. mean, 183 children. Um, but there was one there was one that came across me and um my background's in psychology so the one where the the mother had the baby die on her, her lap and it was such a tragic tale but when i was reading about the the, the court case yeah. and what she was saying mm. and this is just me because i do things like this and overthink it and delve too deep but she was referring to the baby as it all the way through the court case and it just made me think i don't know yeah because at first you think no mother would do that or that's a shame was it suffocation but then when you and obviously she would got not got away with it maybe maybe it was an accident we weren't there you can't tell from this time period, like you just don't know. Which she just kept referring it to it, and I thought, mm, I don't know, I don't know. Incredible sort of disattachment, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's yeah. awful. I had yeah. forgotten about that. To be honest, I'm pleased you said that. Yeah, I remember thinking when I was reading about that in the as you say in the court case, it was just crazy. But again, you. you I kind of, it's that thing, isn't it? You, you put these things down to just time, I guess, you know, in the eight mm-hmm. period that it was in. And it's just such a, uh, I don't know, an emotional, unsensitive kind of... Yeah, well, no. definitely. I mean, she could have just disassociated with grief, with horror, shock, something like that. But um, it's just, it's difficult to analyse when something's happened in the past and... But it's just it really stuck out for me because it had me thinking about it so much that case i just I, it it out my head. and that one bizarrely it came off the back of a one 10 years earlier as well do you remember in the mm-hmm. book the yeah. words, wasn't it and then it, which was a similar thing of a baby being uh sort of smothered or something yeah. and, and then in the same theater i think it was uh hoxton i think wasn't it and yeah i think so London, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and then ten years later, same thing happened again. And it makes me think as well that you know they're, they're two that were know of, two that have been reported. They probably there'd have been more, wouldn't yep. there? There'd have been yeah, um, other cases of, of that sort. So yeah, awful. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Gemma and I were talking earlier, and I came up with the metaphor <laughs> for the for the trampling because uh, I was just saying how my mother instilled a fear of the crowds in me kind of with the crowded sort of large arenas filled with people so I was like avoid them as the, like the plague <laughs> so I kind of kind of do I, I don't often go to uh, concerts with a huge amount of people and everything and Gemma said not to listen to my mother anymore um, <laughs> I I just said yes Very Natalie's mom <laughs> <laughs> she's a good woman um, but yeah it's kind of uh, I hope we can say this um Mufasa being trampled is kind of the way you can imagine these things. There's a momentum, it's happening, and then as a result, you have a death. So someone someone dies, and then uh, it's a tragedy 
for one person or a lot of people, yeah. usually a lot of people, when this kind of uh, sort of nature takes over. Because mm-hmm. usually, I mean, obviously, you don't always have the evil lion standing on top of a cliff directing everything uh, like a musical. Um, but in the case of real life, sort of you're going to the theater, then there's a kind of mishap in engineering or obviously health and safety was still very much asleep. Um, so you have that mishap and then the trampling happens. Mm. So yeah, that's yeah. very memorable. I yeah. think for me also answering your earlier question, um, I think probably the one with horses for some reason. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I've been to Colosseum many times because uh, I used to kind of be uh, was connected to sort of post-production and sort of theater for a bit and I used to go to Coliseum quite a lot and I didn't know they had a revolve I don't think I've seen that I was very surprised to know that at one point they decided to use real life horses in a performance real life performance not just kind of showing up and then going away mm. but actually moving doing anything just breathing on the stage because i remember when i was in i saw three musketeers in germany in heidelberg castle i was very lucky to catch the performance and they only had the horses sort of at the beginning Mm. kind of to show hi we're real life musketeers from the 17th century and then they went away and for the actual performance they used the kind of hobby horses so it's you know much safer but Mm. it's interesting that kind of um these guys thought that yes horses on the stage running around that's fine let's let's see how that nothing's gonna happen (laughs) <laughs> Nothing bad could happen. Bring, last words. They yeah, bring a exactly. horse out in um, Carmen. They bring a horse out in the middle of Carmen, and it, they do dressage. But I mean, it's the only horse on stage. The only one horse. There's only one guy on top of him. That's yeah. it. And I mean, there's no running. He doesn't gallop or anything. So. Well, yeah. this, I mean, it makes no sense at all, does it? It's not going to end well. Clearly, it's not going to end well. And that, and you know, and the strange thing is, I always think this. You know when you get you know when you get older. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, as we all are. Yeah. But I'm 42 now, and I know that's no age really. But <laughs> this happened. That one with the horses. That happened. I think it was night. If I remember right, I think it was 1905. So, ah, uh, to me, that doesn't seem that long ago. No. No. Because if I think of my time, you know, 42 years ago, you know, it's it it was only you know, it, it just it's over just over 100 years ago. That that happened and that was deemed okay and you could do that sort of thing. But a hundred years is nothing. Yeah. And it, it's just I don't know. I always get myself tongue-tied yeah. when I try to explain <laughs> these things because I just it, it, it went at 42 in the blink of an eye. I remember so clearly when I was 10, you know, when I got my double figures. I remember before that as well, and you guys will as well. And suddenly, you know, if that makes you realize like that yeah, something might have happened in I don't know early 1900s or whatever, but it's not that long ago to yeah. when you know. I always think this. I always think you know my mom and dad. They were around. They were born just after the Second World War. Which when yeah. you're young, that seems like an eternity away. But when you're mm-hmm. older, you suddenly it dawns on you that blimey, they were born in that period. You know, they were they were just after that. More my folks were. Yeah, mine too. So yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and it and it's at that point that it suddenly dawned on me anyway that like, yeah, this is all like 
it's not that long ago. That's I think that's me, me uh, what I'm trying to get across. It seems a lot of people think, oh, why write about stuff? It was ages ago. But it wasn't. It wasn't that long ago. I guess with the, the horse one, you can't really go on from that without mentioning a lie in one, which is obviously... Yes, yes, exactly, yeah. Lie. Yes. Yeah. Um, which again, a lie in the theatre. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? There's a good yeah. possibility it's not going to end well. You know, wild animals on stage, but wild lions. I mean, that's something else altogether different, isn't it? I mean, bloody hell. Do you not feel sometimes when I when I was reading it, you know that they say like history repeats itself, and with some of the stuff, some of the stuff just keeps repeating and it's like nobody is learning. We still have horses on stage. Only recently we had lions and circuses and everything else. Absolutely right. I don't really think we've learned no. fast enough in a lot of the things. No, you're right, Gemma. And again, funny one of um, the a, a different environment, different arena, I know, but when I was doing the, and you know, Natalie mentioned the trampling ones, you know, and the, the, those mm. types of cases, it just takes it straight. Well, it took me to when I was growing up. I remember Hillsborough, you know, the, the football mm. ground, like it was yesterday. Um, I think that was in '88, and you know that sort of thing. I know it's a, it's a different environment, but that was something very, very recent. '97 died in that, which is horrendous. You're right. You know, it just shows that things, things history does repeat itself. I think even because obviously this is all British based, but when you look into out of interest, I kind of did it, looked a little bit into um, some foreign theatres as well. And again, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sort of thing happened across uh, across the world. It wasn't mm-hmm. just, yeah, uh, tramplings and stampedes and things in theatres and, and uh, you know, in fairly recent times as well. So absolutely, it repeats itself. And uh, I don't know, you, you hope, you know, when you go down to London, you go to the West End or whatever, you you kind of go to see Greece or you go to see Mary Poppins or whatever it might be, something very cheery and that. But and you kind of don't think about, you know, some of the stuff which has happened previously. And again, that's that's the reason why I wanted to write the book because I yeah. thought something that because the theatre is it's it's history, isn't it? It's like yeah. so it should record everything. Uh, not just the glitzy, pretty stuff, which is, you know, it's what people kind of connect with the theatre. But I thought that the sort of more sinister side, if you like, would be good to to write about as well. Yeah. So sorry, guys, I know I've gone off on a massive tangent again, but... No, that's, no. What, that's what you're here for. Yeah, well, <laughs> I usually do. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, all the trampling stuff, that reminded me of the Travis Scott uh, Astroworld tour, and it reminded you of something in Natalie's well, didn't it? Yes, the Ariana Grande concert in Manchester a few years ago. Again, kind of, I uh, remember my mother's sort of instruction not to go warning. to... Yeah, with <laughs> warning to go to large crowds. Because, yeah, there was a bombing, I yeah, think. Yeah, a terrorist thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Terror, terrorist thing, yeah. Um, but again, they aimed at a space filled yeah. with a lot of kids and a lot of people but mainly kids this reminds you about the again the large spaces filled with people same as in the theater so yeah no you're absolutely right yeah yeah that was all yeah it's uh got a lot of yeah a lot of grisly history uh, to to these venues i think that we've gotten in britain um yeah one i couldn't find i couldn't find any in wales though got cases in ireland got them in scotland really? couldn't find anything in wales oh yeah. i wonder 
It's not good. That's good. I know. Is that a good thing? Is that yeah. a It's a good thing. But it's I want, a good you know, thing. We try to be representative of, of the whole. Uh, yeah. Couldn't find anything for Wales. So well done, Wales. <laughs> <laughs> no Welshman died in these theatres. <laughs> Cardiff <laughs> Arena is safe. Yeah. Not safe. Uh, well, that's good. I'm just back for that. That makes me feel better. <laughs> 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 do you think they do anything different? Safety wise, did you find anything, any safety things that they did in different in Wales? No, I didn't. I didn't find anything of that sort. To be honest, Jen, because I was, I was very much, um, I was geared towards just because I, I was desperately looking for a case, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I just needed to, to, while I was doing that, while I was looking for cases, I had to, to write the book as well, you know, because as I said earlier, I was, I always felt like in my own mind, I was on a deadline. I wanted to get this out there before somebody else did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while I, I sort of skirted around as much as I could looking for a Welsh case, uh, I, you know, I didn't find anything. So I didn't go into like, you know, why that might be, why they had a possibly a better safety record or what have you. Um, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know how many theatres there even are in Wales, in all honesty. Um, I've been to Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is awesome, but you know there'll be loads. There'll be loads of arm brown ones even as well, because you know amateur things that there will be, won't there? Um, but yeah, because couldn't find anything recorded um, there. So, but as far as safety goes generally, um, you'll have realised in the book there were certain things that did happen off the back of uh, you know some of the IE again the Sunderland one. You know the uh, the bull door, the um, the panic. Uh, you know the um, after the Sunderland the fire door. Yeah, the fire door, yeah, with mm-hmm. the, the bars that go across. Yep. Um, so that was introduced after that. Um, so stuff like that, you, you know, is, a, I guess, if anything good could come out of such an awful mm-hmm. game, that, that is something, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, even, you know, so you've got something like that and then you have things like the, um, you know, the primitive uh, sort of the lighting, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. the Dumfries mm-hmm. one um, where the guy was... L- Sending like limelight onto the stage, and yeah, um, he was killed by the the thing exploding and flashing his oh, throat. That was oh. just horrific. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. So things like that, um, bonkers, really. You know, when you read mm-hmm. back to how things were done, and of course the um, the fires, you know, the stage fires, and mm-hmm. was wearing cotton wool dresses, which are obviously going to be highly flammable, not great. Um, yeah. You know, you, you hope that we can. That's something quite easy to learn from, really. Mm. Uh, when you, you realise, I think it. so. But um, I think it was only a couple of years ago, and it was oh, I can't remember. I think she's a TV presenter, but I'm, I can't remember her name. And her daughter had had a fire accident at Halloween because all the Halloween costumes you buy out of oh. I'm about to kill off supermarkets, but all the Halloween costumes you buy in supermarkets are highly flammable. And yes. you're putting these on kids, so uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was a TV presenter, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, I really it can't remember. was Claudia Winkleman. I'm sure Claudia Winkleman. That's it. Was yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Right, you see there, you're generally history repeating itself. You know, you're history right. History repeating itself. We have not learned from that. It just comes back, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it's incredible to think you you're putting Halloween costumes on children mm. around pumpkins. I just assume they're not flammable. Obviously, it's not um, uh, blaming her, but it's the same with the theatre. There's so much flammable stuff, and you're putting your actors in these flammable costumes. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an awful recipe, isn't it? Which isn't mm-hmm. 
you don't end well, you think, yeah, yeah, good part. Totally forgotten about that, yeah. And it's still the same buildings, more or less, because most of the West End uh, has mm. been built, I mean, apart from the National, etc., but all of them have been built kind of around the, the time you're writing, sort of Victorian, early Edwardian time. And from, I was reading a book and it said that if, so they're protected by the, because they're first grade or second grade buildings, so they can't be altered. And therefore, so they can't, not, not much new stuff can be installed. Yeah. And that kind of keeps them in this kind of um, sort of Victorian yeah, limbo of yeah. lack of kind of convenience and things like that. But mm. then if they could change them, they would have knocked them down and made, you know, uh, parking, uh, car parks or something. Yeah. <laughs> or office. No, that's what it said. That's what it said. I remember because uh, the whole kind of, so, so they exist because of they're protected, but mm. because they're protected, they can't be altered. But then again, I, I imagine that some health and safety obviously has been introduced to a degree since. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, things like, yeah, like the gas jets, for example, yeah. that they would have on the stage for the lighting, you know, things like that, obviously, it yeah. can be amended. Um, and it's funny, the. Um, the the Tyne Theatre in Newcastle, which is a, a one very close to me here, um, I met with the guys there um, a couple of months ago, and they gave me a tour of the hotel, uh, the hotel <laughs> of the theatre, and also the, like the the under the, the bowels of it, and uh, what goes on beneath the stage. And they've got, um, do you remember the, the case in the book of the guy that was hit by the cannonball? Yep. Yeah. So they showed me the um, like the thunder room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would send down the, the cannonballs down the thunder run, which was just like a shoot, you know, it was like a big mm-hmm. shoot. And they've just had that, um, uh, what's the word? Um, I can't think tonight. Um, they've had it... Uninstalled? Yes, that's the one. They're reinstalled. <laughs> but, um, so they've had it like updated slightly um, and reinstalled. So there's only, I think, three left in the country. Um, but when when I was there, they gave us the, the opportunity to hold the cannonball. And I mean, it's like so heavy. I don't know if it's anything to say and very obvious, but that coming off this shoot and hitting me on the head, I mean, it would just be unthinkable yeah. you know horrific horrific but that now although it is in the theater it it's it's in an area excuse me where there's nobody it couldn't hit anybody do you know what mm-hmm. i mean there's nobody at the bottom of it you know that's just an example of, of things yeah. moving on that's something that just wouldn't be allowed to happen um but it was great that the show is this new thing you know it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's totally primitive and looks very old and dated still um but it still it does does its job you know it does create a sound of thunder um you know theatrically and it but mm. it's good um yeah i just find that sort of stuff really interesting um you know that they, they do as you say natalie they do try and keep things um because they're listed a lot of these places mm. and they want to keep the, the sort of unique charm and character i think don't they yeah for performances and uh, and I think that's why part of the reason you love the theatre, isn't it? Because it is totally different. Because we all watch, you know, Netflix and Amazon or whatever. Yes. It's totally, you know, it's on your screen. It's all perf- perfect or, or whatever. You. Whereas the theatre just is that little bit kind of. Uh, yeah. It is. Treat. It? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 unique and it's something that I think probably 
in many respects, probably hasn't changed that much. You know, when people see a performance now to, you know, hundreds of years ago, you know, in the sense of the health and safety stuff, obviously, we were very much hoping that it has. Um, But, yeah, the the premise is still very much the same, isn't it? You've still got guys on there that will still, you know, belt out a tune or whatever. And uh, it's... uh, And let it go. (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now we've just been seen frozen. (laughs) At the jewellery lane. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. So when I went there, I told my friend, yeah, so we're seeing a fantastic show for kids. We're going to be so uplifted, but just remember this and this and this happened here. So (laughs) careful. The insurance probably won't allow anything to happen to us, but you never know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Drury, it's a a spectacular place, isn't it? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I was surprised at how much it can do because actually, yeah, I've been to most places in the West End, but I've never been to Drury uh, because they always had things that I wasn't interested in, like Shrek or Charlie. Miss Saigon yeah. was before my time uh, many years ago. I wasn't living in London yet. So I, I'd never been there. So finally I go, actually Monday and then Wednesday, because we had a very packed touristy London week. So Monday we saw Evita and then Wednesday we saw Frozen. And it's just, they did the, they activated the Revolve. And I didn't even know it had a Revolve. So it, it just it can do so much. Yeah, I was dazzled with it. It is awesome. It, they're so clever, like aren't they? Yeah. They really are. It's uh, it is a treat to watch. I love watching anything at the theatre. I really do. I love you know plays and mystery. You know murder mysteries. I love that. Probably oh, the yeah. most. Even the musicals <laughs> that I, I would think you know, musicals that you might think, eh, I'm not that bothered about. They just do it so well that like you can't not. It's just yeah, yes. just love everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So what theatre is it you uh, go to? Which your closest theatre? Yeah. Uh, closest theatre to me um, would be da, 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 the Theatre Royal in Newcastle and uh, the Tyne Theatre in Newcastle. Um, they're all ones a little bit closer, but these are the more sort of provincial ones. Um, mm-hmm. So, like the, I think again, it's in the book, the Annick um, Theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, Annick is only, oh, blimey, sort of 10 miles from here. Um, that's just a little town yeah. in Northumberland, and they've got a, a lovely theatre. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I do go there, but as far as like bigger theatres go, yeah, the Newcastle Theatre Royal would be the the biggest one, um, and it's lovely, you know, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, we nearly a few years ago when I was uh, getting married, we we're going to get married at the Theatre Royal. Three children. We used to go all the time. <laughs> we were at the theatre like most nights. Well, not most nights, but you know, once a yeah. week easily. And uh, it was fantastic. I thought, right, let's have a look at getting married. And it it would have been awesome, but it's it fits. I don't know how many people in there. Um, but like it would have been, say, we had a hundred guests, for example. Mm-hmm. The, being just dwarfed and it would have looked probably quite silly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> to be, they would have only taken like the first few rows and the rest of the place would have just been a big barren space. So we didn't bother in the end. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly something that we actually thought about. Uh, and that was before I learned about how deathly theatres could be. So probably, <laughs> probably a good thing we didn't do it in the end. People <laughs> get married at the tower, so, you know, they do. They actually did they? Do. Yeah. I didn't think they did because uh, I remember back in the day, uh, I saw some sort of packages for weddings at Hampton Court, right. or Banqueting House, which makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then I thought, 
oh, but what if someone wants to get married at the tower or something? Because um, I, I, I would, I wouldn't be totally against it. And no. there were no packages for the tower. But then I saw the, uh, the pictures of the weddings on Instagram or something. Yeah. But people, people do like next to the White Tower where probably Anne Boleyn was beheaded. Yeah. There's a wedding. And we keep that in mind. <laughs> I like this idea. Yeah. It's sightseeing <laughs> and, you know, celebration in life and death together. It's history as well. It's just, it's, yeah. It would be nice. That's, yeah. That's true. Yeah. As long as, you know, one keeps the axe at home. So you both will do it together and then you can bring exactly. it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what kind of sources did you use while researching? For research in death in the theatre was probably, well, definitely, actually, um, the uh, British newspaper archive, I think, would probably be the, the number one thing. So what, what I did mainly, Gemma, was when I when I found a case, so like I'll be trawling through that when I found cases in the, in the papers, um, if the if the theatre was still around, I would generally get in touch with those guys, have a word with them, see uh, you know if they'll be happy for us to um to to run the story if you like to put the story mm. in the book because it was a funny one that because I did think oh god I wonder if some theatres might not want this to be written mm. about yeah um, I don't but, know, yeah you know it's, it's history though at the end of the day and it's something yeah. that, you know it just doesn't need or shouldn't be covered up if you like uh, but yeah there was no problems in that respect anyway so once I sort of spoke to the theatres and then tried to get I don't know, maybe old photographs um, uh, or just just information, you know, which wasn't easily gettable by any other way. You know, theatres themselves, they often have different things that nobody else has kind of seen before, you know, maybe mm-hmm. old photographs or what have you. So it was a case of, of doing that, speaking to as many people as possible about the theatre. Um, and then if I could, if I could find out if there was still any living uh, relatives, for example, of any of the the people involved in the book, victims, then I, I spoke to them as well. Yeah, that was a, a, a bit of a process, but again, um, everybody happy for us to write in a way. And I think as long as it's done in a sensitive fashion, then which I would always hope it would be anyway. Yeah. Um, then certainly nobody had any any issues. Um, but yeah, that was that was definitely the main source, and then beyond that, I guess uh, archives. Um, you know, the usual sort of thing of, you know, if I found a case down in, in the south of the country, for example, then I would just get, uh, because of where I am up in Northumberland, it wasn't always easy to get down there physically. So it would just involve an awful lot of phone calls and awful lot of emails to, to each particular archive. So if they had, for example, the coroner's inquest report for a certain case, then they would get that up to me and then I would go through it and, you know, pull mm-hmm. out all the it's, mm-hmm. So that was that was the process really because it's quite tricky when you're up here. You know, you've got you've got life, you've got family life, uh, you've got a little one. You know, you don't want to be away from her too often. You know, mm-hmm. um, so certainly, if there was things I could do remotely, which there was, thankfully for the majority of the book, then that was great. Um, and that's how I how I did it really. Just kind of speaking to everybody uh, from the theatres themselves, from um, maybe old newspapers themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they've got old things that them old reports and things that might be useful um archives offices that sort of stuff yeah and then just pulling together everything so i would kind of do a case do a, a particular um story if you like and i would just speak to as many people as possible about about it and then just get it all written down in a hopefully in a nice sort of readable fashion and uh, a way that it would be interesting for people to to read really um but yeah the, the newspaper archive was is that the best one 
yeah, it was for this. Uh, Kelly, yeah, it definitely was. Um, it's just, it just totally, it's nice. I don't know if you use it yourself, guys. You probably do. Um, not yet. <laughs> oh, not we yet. Well, it's it really, really good. Um, millions and millions and millions of pages all fully digitized. And it's just, it's so, so helpful. Um, and as I say, if you find something, and in some cases, there could only be three or four lines written about mm-hmm. it. So then it's up to me to try and dig around that and put some meat on them on their bones and speak to as many people as possible around mm-hmm. it. So I could then write enough about it to, to prove to be a chapter in the book. Yeah. Um, so- a lot of the, the people you have in the, the book, they're from like lower classes, which um, I said this to you before, I think it's amazing because most of the history books are based on kings and queens and earls and dukes and everything else. But did you find that finding sources around lower classes was harder? Yeah, that's a good point, Jim, and I'm really pleased you mentioned that. And I, I thank you for saying that because I know you, you've mentioned that to us before, that you do appreciate that, uh, that it's mentioning just normal, if you like. And yeah, normal mortals. Yeah. Us guys. Yeah, <laughs> Us guys. And that, that has been something all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, two books that I've, I've absolutely wanted to do because why not? Yeah. <laughs> why would you only include nobility or you know mm. what I mean like it's just to me it makes no sense and they're more interesting anyway because the majority of people are like us we're all just normal folk trying to get on and that's what I wanted to to kind of bring in the uh, bring in the books um so in terms of fight was it difficult yeah I guess it would be um but having said that I suppose you know if you think of Lincoln Abraham Lincoln who was who was killed in um theater in America you know everybody knows about that so yeah. again, back to what I mentioned earlier, if I was going to do a, a book about American theatre, I would definitely wouldn't put that in because it's been done a, a million times, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no point for a case like that. You're going to have so many things you could go to, so many sources. But as I say, little point in doing it. So when you're trying to research around people who are just laymen, then, yeah, it is tricky. There's one case in the book. Do you remember the one towards the back? Um is a guy who falls off the roof and they're, they're not sure whether he's a peeping Tom. Yeah. Well, is yeah, it Leicester Square? Leicester Square, yeah, yeah, that's it. Blame you have read the book, Natalie, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so yeah he, um, he still has living relatives and um, because of the sensitivity of that particular chapter, because of, you know, what people thought he possibly was, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that was really tricky. So when I found out that he still had uh, relatives living and everything I, I got in touch with them and they were awesome honestly they were absolutely lovely um, the, the guy uh, who I was dealing with he had to go back to his extended family to ask for their permission he okayed it straight away which was great but then he wanted to ask his extended family as well to make sure they yeah. were with it and it came it took a while to come back to us and I was like oh no I've done so much research <laughs> into this I really hope he's happy with it um, but he came back and said they were all happy for us to do it thankfully in that case anyway um i was able to get a photograph i was able to find out more information which wasn't available anywhere else so you know how at the end of that chapter um there's a little twist isn't there that he possibly wasn't a people mm-hmm. it was something else i'm not no spoilers um i couldn't have gotten that without the family because mm. it's just not it's not recorded anywhere when i came across little gems of that sort where you know you've got living relatives and then people were happy to speak to you about it and work with you then that made it 
a real joy actually because it was um it's a quite a lonely process writing a book but when you've got somebody else coming in helping as well in in, in a sense and, and giving you information and happy yeah. to give you information mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a nice thing and then when he read the book um he sent us a lovely email and he absolutely loved it um and he's oh. bought a copy for his local pub as well um which is where the guy <laughs> was from and uh, and i can just imagine he said like on you know on winter nights they'll be sitting around this in this old pub reading the chapter and uh, i thought that was lovely that was a nice thing oh uh, that's so nice uh, it's nice isn't it yeah um but yeah i think it is difficult finding sources and stuff for, for people that are just not very well known about, but that's the that's the difficult part of it. But that's the part I probably enjoy the most anyway. Yeah. So mm. I know when I go into it that, yeah, it's going to be tricky and you'll have to leave no stone and turn. Excuse me, guys. Um, but in doing that, hopefully it does produce an, a, a nicely rounded kind of book which brings lots of random but mm-hmm. not together and got to do go on doing that that's a good thing it's such a good thing you make this so easy yeah. i actually like the well-roundedness because it's sometimes almost random how the victims kind of came about because you have the victims of a lion of some uh, of some horses and the guy who just brought in his ex-wife was it with a very strange kind of bigamist sort of situation so poppery very you know but then it gets very dark and mm. very dark and grisly he just brought her to the theater to to to, to kill her and then you have victims of strangulation who are very young and it's such it's just yeah it's a kind of nice eclectic mix of real life victims i suppose yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. kind of literally that- yeah Absolutely not. Again, that was very purposeful because, as I mentioned right at the start, I found so many cases. It was a, 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 a case really of just having to whittle down. And I remember doing it. I remember vividly writing down, like, right, you've currently got six stampede cases, six murders, whatever. Do you know what I mean? And I went down and I thought, you can't have that. You need to have it. It's got to be a balance. You don't want to have it just uh, stampedes, for example, or... Mm-hmm. Um, just accidents or just fires you need to, because there were so many so I, I did try to to get a, a decent balance so I'm pleased you said that Natalie um, yeah. didn't want it to just be one fire after another fire because as we all know virtually every theatre in Britain burned down at some point or other oh, yeah. not yeah. all with fatalities of course but you know a lot did so um, yeah I just mm-hmm. wanted it to be a, a good mix and an interesting mix and an intriguing mix and I think when you look at the <laughs> cover, I mean, straight away, obviously, got cover. to find <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice cover, isn't it? They did a good job yeah. of that. Um, so, yeah, something totally different. And again, everybody, that, that lying case, I remember I, um, I emailed uh, the uh, Gloucester History Society, it was a theatre down in Gloucester where that happened, and they had no idea about it either. I was like, what? How do you not know about this? And it was a woman, uh, she was about 80 year old and uh, she lived in Gloucester all her life. And she was, I think she was almost offended that she didn't know about it. <laughs> it certainly seemed that way. What? I didn't know about this. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, so, um, but she was, um, but that was, again, what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be something that would be totally original for people. And uh, yeah, hopefully they enjoyed reading it. It's I, I know the book's very um, murder and mayhem and death and gore. 
but I think an undercurrent of it is about like human relationships. Uh, as I said, like you connect to the people, and I think the fact that they're just like us, they're not kings and queens. You can connect with them. They were just on a night out enjoying themselves. Was there any that you really connected with on a personal level? Yeah, I, I mean. The the one we've mentioned before there, the, the Leicester Square one, where I, I dealt a lot with the family. Um, not 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 because I'm a peepman Tom, <laughs> <laughs> but because I almost felt I, I got. It sounds really corny, doesn't it? And it too, it does sound corny. I know, but I, I felt like I almost got to know the person, um, yeah. and that because the family were telling me things about him and uh, things that I couldn't have known otherwise. I couldn't have known it through the newspapers because it's just nothing there. There's nothing yeah. about it. So when I was finding stuff out, um, that, I, I, yeah, it, it was quite, it was tough because even though if it is a long time ago, you do because you get there for, you, you just, you have to kind of, or personally anyway, I have to kind of not, I don't want to distance myself from it. I want to kind of almost feel like I can relate with them in every every aspect, really. So I'll be sitting there and like trying to think of stuff, but then your mind would take you to actually, can you imagine if you were this person? Or can you imagine if you were that person in that theatre? And yeah, I, I connected with probably a lot of them, to be honest, Jara, in, in, in a random sort of way, I think. Um, I know... I remember for, for famous last words, do you remember the case in there? And you, you guys will be well aware of the case, of, of course, before this book as well, but um, the um, Burke and Hare. Yep. Yes. Yeah, it's massive up here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, well, there's a guy um, who he's like, uh, he's like the authority on Burke and Hare. He's, he's written loads of books about it. I contacted him about uh, when I was sort of doing that chapter in that book and um he had to stop writing about them because he was having dreams not necessarily nightmares but he was having dreams about them all the time and he said that he could just close his eyes and one of them would be coming towards him and he honestly yeah i was like i was stunned um and he was uh he was really really affected he was um it, it changed it actually changed him he said i spoke to him over the phone a few times and he said like don't don't go too much into this because it, it can really get under your skin and it can really mm. uh, yeah uh, yeah and i, I thought uh, and i remember him saying those words and I, I, I thought well i don't want that to happen obviously but mm-hmm. at the same time you do need to have some kind of um level of uh, of being able to kind of, I don't know, resonate with like, yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think in terms of death in the theatre, again, I suppose because of where I am geographically, I guess it was hard to look past the, the, the sort of local cases. Mm-hmm. So the ones in Newcastle, obviously the Sunderland one, because, again, as I've mentioned, it's just so appalling that, you know, 183 kids. Yeah. That, in that instance, it was more the parents that you kind of mm. – you know what I mean? Yeah, being a, a parent of a five-year-old yeah. myself, um, I just can't imagine how that could have been. And of course, it takes you to like the level of, you know, there's no social media then. Mm-hmm. These parents would literally have just been told about this by people running around the streets screaming. And they would know that their kids were also at that theatre. So all they've, they've just got to rush to that theatre and find out if their kid is one of the the unfortunate ones, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just horrendous. Uh, so that was that was really really hard to write because it's just too 
A, it was very, very close to home, and B, in, in like, I mean that, like literally. Literally, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, quite literally. And, and also because, obviously, I say I'm a dad as well. And, yeah, I mean, it, you know, having to go to a theatre and it basically it's turned into an identity career where you've got to. Yeah. Your kid is one of them lying on the ground and being laid out in, in lines of, of bodies is just appalling. Um, so, yeah, that was very, very, very difficult. Um, but, yeah, I would say they're the ones probably that I uh, struggled with the most because I, I, I did kind of get right there, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I do think about them all the time, all the cases in the book. I, I literally think about a lot of them most days, um, which is not not necessarily um, in a way that it doesn't like in consumers in any sort of mm-hmm. Bad way or anything. I just, I just think it's 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 what I need to do. Per and again, I probably sound really corny here, but to kind of respect them. I don't know. I don't know if that makes no, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, do them it's, justice. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. funny when you hear historians and they say things like um, they're unbiased, and I don't think that I don't think that can possibly be true. I don't think. Even though if they're like, I don't know, Susanna Lipscomb and they're focusing mm. on Henry VIII, who obviously is so far away or whatever. Just on a personal level, I feel like you can empathise with everybody in life. You, you don't yep. need to be the same race as somebody, the same gender, yeah. the same religion. There's always, there's always humanity at the end of the day. Yeah, um, Even when we're doing, we did the last podcast and we did... Um, Charlotte, uh, Queen Charlotte, and Natalie will tell you. And I'm <laughs> fully aware of my bias here, okay? But <laughs> I said she was a good mother. <laughs> but she said she's a good mother. <laughs> but that's because I don't have children. <laughs> I have a different perspective. <laughs> but, um, but I'm, I'm totally aware of my bias, but I think it... You, you have to be aware of it, and I think a lot of historians like it's good that you're aware. You're aware that you've went a wee bit too deep with some, or you've overthought some, or whatever. Some sticking with you. I think it's good as a somebody who's writing about history or talking about history to acknowledge your bias. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're pretty right there, Jim. I mean, I wish I had the level of like knowledge that you guys have for history because I, I generally, you know, I don't. And, and a lot of people think you oh, do. You want to mix? That's what people say, but honestly, I'm not a historian at all. I just feel that I can probably write about people and about things that have happened. Unfortunately, at the minute, I just tend to write about bad things that have happened. Um, the cool things. It's, we call it cool things. Yeah, cool things, yeah. But I gen- genuinely, I, I, you know, I'm not a historian, um, never have been, didn't even do it at, at A-level, you know what I mean? I didn't didn't follow it up at school. I wish I had. But, you know, when you're like, your teachers and stuff, it's just like, at that age, you know, when I was just a bit younger, like, mm, my history teacher was quite boring. So I just had no inclination to follow it through. And so that was I'm, fine. Yeah, really? Yeah. But as I've gotten older, it's just become something that I've appreciated far more. Um, and then when I started because I've always wanted to write a book and honestly if I if I thought 15 20 years ago if I thought right I'll write a book at some point in my life I probably would have thought it would have been about football or about sport <laughs> you know something that sort I've drifted into this I've always been interested in it in things that happened particularly bad things sadly um cool things yeah, yeah sorry yeah, <laughs> cool things, yeah. um 
but I've just found that I've been able to write in a way that I think hopefully is empathetic and, it, and it's something that you know it, it's not it's never intended ever to be um gratuitous or anything like that no. that's not what I want to do um and I would be I'd be really upset to be fair if, if anybody thought it was like that no one has said yeah. anything of that sort which yeah. is um, is that something you're worried about because you know quite a lot of books now have oh, you have to come up to trigger warnings and people are quite sensitive to things was it something you were worried about when writing a yeah, book yeah absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. and I would speak to Charlotte my wife all the time uh, about stuff like that because you know you're writing about people and yeah it's a, from from a, a period of time ago as we said earlier, it's not that long ago, so it's mm-hmm. not out of the realms of possibility that people are still alive that are connected to, to some of the victims in the book. Uh, where possible, as I said before, I've contacted you know any anybody of, that um, that I was able to find out are connected still with with anyone involved in the book. Um, so yeah, you you want to do a, a job a good job in that respect, and if anybody had any problem whatsoever with anything I was writing, I would just omit it straight away. And that's no problem whatsoever. I would hate for anybody to um to take the, the book in the in the wrong way. And I think I had a, a there's a book review I had somebody who did one a couple of maybe last week, I think, and they had said that it had been like a, a trigger warning for them with the um the two, you know, the the kids, the, yeah. the small, small children. I don't say I was upset about it. I wasn't upset about it because you know, everybody has different ways yeah. of things, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely as it should be. Um, but I, I felt very, very bad for them that that, that is something that because it is, it, it's, it's, it's a, you know, writing about children and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. The the awful situations which are in the book, which happened, um, you know, it's beyond belief, isn't it? It's, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Um, so. My, I remember when I found out about the cases, there'd be a, quite a period where I um, would go through and go over my mind again and again, like, am I going to include it or not? Am I going to include it or not? And I would probably change my mind yeah. many times over before actually settling down to write the thing. Um, and I think what I would usually do with those ones is just make sure I've got all the facts, got everything I possibly can have about it. Some of them, there's not that much you can get. Um, mm-hmm. In which case, you don't bother with them anyway. But when you can get enough material to, to maybe write a chapter about, um, then I think then, right, what's the personal impact on this? What's this, you know, is this something that needs to be written about? And then I think, well, yes, because they've never been written about before. And these are two little girls who just died and just been absolutely forgotten about. And that is the main thing for me. But I, it, it shouldn't be that way. You know, some people have said, well, yeah, the Sunderland thing it happened. It was 1883, right? But Jack the Ripper was 1888. It was five years later. And everybody knows about that. But how on earth does everybody not know about 183 kids dying in a theatre on yeah. a Saturday afternoon? Do you know what I mean? That's just bonkers. Um, and I know it's, you know, you've got the whole... The, the whole thing that comes with Jack the Rebel, the whole mystique of everything, and it's we don't. Know we spoke we about that as well earlier, actually, <laughs> and we both agreed that um, it doesn't matter <laughs> uh, remotely uh, who who he was, and mm. we both find um, the fact that he still that that's an industry quite appalling, and it's recently been 
um sorry to jump in <laughs> oh, no, um is that it's recently kind of there is a movement to bring it kind of down a little bit with the um, Halle Rubenhold's book and everything. Uh, so kind of to make them human and to f- switch the focus to the victims, not to the killer. And it's absolutely, it absolutely doesn't matter who he was because he's long dead. We can't teach him not to kill mm-hmm. women. Um, so uh, yeah, but that it's, horrendous that they're still because i'm a london tour guide but i don't even want to go on a jack the ripper tour and i really don't want to do one unless it's from a slightly different perspective and kind of if i were to do it i would do it very respectfully and i think there are some tours that are like feminist jack the ripper tour um but the fact that it's an industry and yes like you said it's five years after the other tragedy that took away a hundred and what 83 more human lives than this one that it's uh horrendous that that is famous one and the other one is completely and utterly forgotten and yeah. I'll, I'll i'll say one more thing is i was on the train from stansted a few years ago and there were i think there were spanish there's a group of tourists talking i couldn't understand much i said some spanish but not too much of it um I, you know i can say some words but one sort of phrase that I could absolutely get in their kind of whole conversation was Jack the Ripper. How weird is it that those three words are literally kind of obviously non-translatable and they're mentioned so many years later and it's an industry of gore and everything else that should be handled Mm. more sensitively isn't. No, you're spot on. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... That that's what I would come back with all the time, you know, when people do sort of put that out there that oh, this happened a long time ago. That doesn't matter in that no. sense. Well, you can't you can't just have again go back with 183 kids just being forgotten about. You know, it's just madness. And uh, and equally the two, um, you know, the, the, those young girls, the ones that were smothered, and as I said, they they were mentioned in the review. I think that. It, it brought trigger warnings for a reader, and that's you know I totally understand that, and I totally get that. Of course I do, um, but I think they should be in there, and I think they should be yeah. all included. And not, again, not yeah. just forgotten because they were in the east of east end of London, and um, you know. Mm. That that's a good thing about your book. Like it's the same with the, the whole Jack the Ripper thing. You're coming from giving stories to the victims. You're saying the victims' stories. You're giving them. Yeah. the the stories they deserve just like we should be focusing on the women what the women's life and the victims of Jack Ripper rather than oh who's he or that kind of thing you're not you weren't glorifying Andy that was murdered uh, the murderers in the book or anything like you I'm didn't pleased, do that yeah. yeah I'm pleased I'm certainly pleased that's the way that you would you read it as well Gemma because mm-hmm. that's how yeah I would absolutely want everybody to to read it you know whether you like the book or not that's one thing but as I would hope that everybody would. Um, would think that it had been written in that in that fashion and, and not trying to glorify anything of, um, yeah, because that's just not yeah not what I want to do really. Mm. Yeah, there was a I can't get this one out of my head. The one where the guy falls down and the singer just walks over him, finishes <laughs> that story. And what was more disturbing? I wonder if you've came across this. I was so disturbed by it because of the way the media even portrayed it. Like, she was so brave and stunning. This poor man had died. But she's so brave and stunning because she finished the song. 
It was just, it was so bizarre. And yeah. did you find there was a bias in the media with the ones that died that were lower classes, the ones that were, um, you know, um, when the kids all died, it was all the ones from lower classes that died because yeah. the upper class kids were all sitting high up and they were saved kind of a thing. Did you find yeah. any media bias, any kind of bias in the theatre? Yeah, I mean that that one there, the Sunderland one. You're right. The, the, you know the the more wealthy children, if you like, they were sat in the in the seats that they that cost a lot more money, and they were just in a safer area, and they, they got away. You know, they were all absolutely fine. Um, and I found in that one as well, the media side of it, they were um, they focused a lot on um, like paupers' burials and the fact that the children in that, you know, you got 183 kids and they weren't able to, um, a lot of the parents and families just weren't able to afford a funeral mm. for so many of the children. So I found that a lot of the, the, the media um, wrote about that quite a lot, but also by the same token, they, uh, I don't know if you remember, but Queen Victoria sent up some money as well. Yeah. And there was different funds and things set up as well there to to help to, to pay for these, um, for the children to have the burials. I think another one which springs to mind was the case on, again, I mentioned it earlier, um, the Dumfries case where the guy was killed uh, the, by the limelight, you know. Mm. I don't know if you remember, but he, he was killed. Uh, he was working on a Sunday. And um, that was something which the media, rather than the fact that he'd been killed, the big thing for them was the fact that he was working on a Sunday. <laughs> yes. Like, Today's also <laughs> Sunday. Yes, I know. So it was like this guy had just done something absolutely wrong. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have been working on a Sunday afternoon. Um, the wrath of God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly, yeah. Um, and that's that's what the media focused on with him. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, he was killed in an awful way. They just kind of glossed over that mainly um, on, and for the main, the articles that I found. But it was the fact that he'd been working on a Sunday afternoon um, and that was something that he just, you know, Whatever class, you just can't do that. Oh, that's that's certainly the what I what I uh, what I read it, it regarding that case. Um, so they're the two probably that are, would spring to mind in that sense. Uh, I think in my ear, I can't really think of any others that that would kind of come into that category where I found that the media would. I guess they always do to a point, don't they? They're always yeah, uh, you know, then after um, a better story, they whatever yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but even that, I suppose, in uh, the way that the media work and the things that they would write about researching a bit for this book, you know, just across from the article that I would need, you might find, I don't know, a headline, something like, um, oh, God, I don't know, posh woman beheaded by husband or something like that. And then they would just have, like, a tiny little bit about what had actually happened, but they would talk about her. I found this, I did find that a few times where they, yeah. they would they would write quite a bit about her and like um, her status, if you like, and mm-hmm. the, the, the awful way she met her demise was just kind of, again, just sort of <laughs> just glossed over. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but um, 
But yeah. that's your next book right there. Yeah. <laughs> the pot women being beheaded. No, 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 no. The quirky headlines and, you know, something something there. <laughs> so there's something in there will be a bit more sensitive to yeah. what people's lives want. They don't want to... Yeah. Um, offend yeah. the, that family whereas they'd happily give John round the road all the dirty details of his life but they wouldn't want to offend that family by spilling the details that way That's so true. Yeah. no no you're spot on yeah absolutely right yeah um, yeah I mean books like now I suppose you know the, the, the way the media operates now as well you know they, oh they, my they God. certain yeah, certain tack don't they mm-hmm. you know, take you down a certain avenue and less said about that the better I guess but <laughs> Yeah. Um, when see when you were reading the court documents and stuff, was there any bias with the judges? The way the did they look down on lower classes, or did they give lighter sentences to certain classes, or even genders? Yeah, I think I probably found more for the famous last words uh, because there was a lot of um, you probably saw in in death in the theatre there was. Um, because you you know you've got a theatre which might be complicit in something, so like you've got like a theatre proprietor that might well be up for some cause cause of neglect or something like that. And I found that them guys they just got like ah, nothing. They were all right. <laughs> you know, there, was, there was very little that, that ever happened to them. They were in a in like the inquest uh, verdict and stuff. There was just maybe you might have the odd kind of recommendation. Right, you need to build that. Mm-hmm. Um, that little barrier a little bit higher. That's fine, but everything else is okay. You've you know you've you've been neglectful, but well, that's all right. <laughs> we'll just let that go. Um, yeah. So def- definitely found that. Um, but yeah, I think there was a, a absolute the way that they would treat the lower classes was was quite sort of um, just like they were vermin, wasn't it? Really, mm-hmm. it's yeah. you know that's how it it it's came across. Um, and very, very open they would be about that sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I probably haven't read enough about, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm not a historian. I'm absolutely not. I would probably need to, to read more, and I would like to read more and find out more about that that side of things, you know, about the inequalities and stuff, which we all know existed and still do now, yeah. you know, whichever yeah. way you look at it, it still is that, you know, society is set up in a certain way for a very select few, isn't it, to, mm-hmm. to kind of have pretty much whatever they want, you know, and uh, the vast majority of people are uh, below that, just kind of squabbling for, uh, mm. for the rest of for every other little every a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, Gemma, I don't know if I'll answer that question. No, you said that. What, so what's next for you? What, what are you working on right now? Yeah, well, what I'm doing at the minute is um, because I knew that this book, well I, well, I hoped anyway, I hoped that it would appeal not just for readers, but also for people that love the theatre. And I've, I've been in contact with a lot of theatres Um and history groups and all sorts who want us to go and do things at theatre venues. So do talks and do performance type things, which is, is what I'm looking at now. So um, it's been really busy with that because I've been invited to go to theatres all around, all around the country, to be honest, which has been fantastic. Um, so I'm busy trying to write up, not, not script as such, but some kind of 
format yeah. that I need to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm going to be doing. So rather than um, researching a book, which I do miss, I'm dying to get back into it. I will do it. Um, but I've got so many of these um appointments or engagements if you like coming up so i'm just kind of preparing for those so to, for an example um the theater down in Birmingham, the birmingham it was the lyceum um but it's now i think the alexandra theater in birmingham that theater is still there although under different guys now and that theater is is mentioned in the book uh well there's a chapter in the book about it uh about a lady who died on stage called grace housley so they asked me if i would go down and you know do a talk about it um, so I'm going down to Birmingham. I think it's the oh, it's about the ninth of September. I think that's the first one, and then there's there's a lot coming after that. Um, the different theatres, different book festivals, uh, different history groups and history societies, and all that sort of stuff. So it seems to have appealed to everybody who I wanted it to because I did think it mm-hmm. would. Because you no, know, why wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, exactly. History, theatre, death. It's just like it's everything, isn't it? Okay. Um, so I'm really pleased about that. So that's what I'm doing at the minute. I'm busy just kind of preparing for. So for each town that I'll go to, I need to really gen up on everything about that particular case, you know, that they'll want to be hearing about. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of what I, where I'm at at the moment. But always in the back of my mind is what the next book's going to be. So it's literally a-, a book tour. Basically, <laughs> kind of extended book tour. And like a book yes. tour, almost a bit. Because initially, what we we're hoping to do was some kind of um, almost like a theatre tour type thing. Yeah, that's what you it know? sounds like. Yeah, yeah, that, that's sort of the way that it's it's kind of going. Um, and I've been like amazed and and really really pleased with the response. Uh, you know, people reaching out to us to say, like, would you fancy doing this? Would you like to come along and do it? And yeah, of course I would. You know, I love to talk as you've flung down tonight. <laughs> I talk a load of rubbish a lot of the time, but I do like talking about the stuff in the book and um, people can ask whatever questions and we can uh, hopefully sell a few books as well when we're, when we're doing it, when we're doing the mm. tour. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can um, get more people reading it and get it moving so- up the most important question when are you going to be in London and when are you going to be in Scotland yes <laughs> <laughs> well London I think it'll be towards well actually hopefully September possibly but it's more likely to be the end of the year I think oh, um, okay. yeah Scotland <laughs> these done. need signing so <laughs> yeah absolutely we need to do that yeah that would be great it would be really lovely to meet the pair of you um, and up in Scotland whereabouts are you Gemma yeah, just outside Glasgow. All right, that's not too far from Dumfries, is it? No, no, no. I'm going, I think, to Dumfries at some point, so I'll let you know when we'll get up there. Yeah. And that'll be good. I'll be um, there. Yeah, I'm not too great with geography. God, I'm not great at history. I'm not great at geography. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what I can do, really. So, uh, yeah, Glasgow and Dumfries, yeah, I don't think that's too far apart, so I'm sure we're going to do that. Um so yeah, and hopefully getting to Edinburgh at some point as well. But that's just kind of still, I like that, still in the bar because that's what it was. It was Edinburgh Book Festival. Mm-hmm. I was in touch with those guys, and um, so hopefully next year. I was too late for this year, but yeah, uh, next year we'll be able to. Uh, Natalie will be up for it, won't you, Natalie? Yep, you're coming up. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you can't drive there, but I'll get by train. I am not allowed to drive there anymore, but no. um, we will get the train. <laughs> well, no. 
<laughs> no, I, I saw Gemma, what was it, last week? It, yeah. it doesn't feel like a week has passed, but yeah, um, it's been very, very busy. So yeah, first time I've seen you since 21 I think yep. 21 yeah in person. And in person in person yeah I see all the time here yep. um and yeah Gemma used to be able to drive to Glasgow through Glasgow to Edinburgh through Edinburgh and everything uh now she's she's not allowed to because of uh the ultra low emission zone and all, all, the, all, all those laws so yeah we have to see each other outside of Glasgow mm-hmm. or Edinburgh like criminals so you know <laughs> Outlaws. So, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh, bless you. So, how long have you known each other then? Um, three years. Yeah. yeah Coming yeah. on to three years. Yeah. yeah. Locked the start, very start of lockdown, London. Yeah. Yeah. Like mid 20, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I told you not to watch Spanish Princess. That was our first conversation. That was our first conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm Gemma. Okay, nice to meet you. <laughs> don't watch it. Don't watch that. <laughs> and I watched it and I didn't like yes. it. Good. <laughs> so, what does your wife think of the book? Was she a big fan? Does she like things like that? Yeah, she, well, yeah, she does. She's, she's, She's a bit scared of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being totally honest. She is a bit scared of it. Yeah, she's not a she's not a massive fan of. Um, I think she can she can appreciate it. You know everything that's in there, and she does really really support the idea that people aren't forgotten about. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's good that they have sort of in some way kind of not brought them back to life, but you know what I mean. Kind of mm-hmm. brought them into consciousness, I suppose. Um, but she would struggle to read some of the um, obviously the children's stuff. Mm, yeah. you know, she couldn't she couldn't read that. But um, certainly famous last words. She um, I would read chapters to her when we're on like long drives because her family lives down in the well, Cornwall and in Wales. Oh, um, nice. So like it's a bit of a trek from here. So yeah. on drives down there, um, I would often read a chapter to her. And then she would sort of be like, oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Or she would give us, you know, tips or advice on maybe mm-hmm. such and such doesn't sound good or whatever. So, yeah, she, I think she she does like the books. I think she's she's proud of them to a point, but also she wouldn't particularly read that sort of thing by, by choice, which is fair enough, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, and I know, it, yeah, obviously, it's not for everybody. Nothing is, is it? You can't no, no. And that's yeah. she would often sort of drill home that like you can't be everything to everybody. You just can't. No. I'm well aware of that, um, and I've got no desire to be because it's impossible. I remember what was it a couple of weeks back? Um, I, I was reading this, book, and you shouldn't do it. I suppose should you? you shouldn't read your your book reviews, but I, I did see one on. I think it was on Goodreads or something, and somebody said something like, um, "Yeah, it's a good book. It's I really like the book." But they've missed out loads of like cases. Like they've missed out. I, I can think of like quite a few famous cases that aren't in the book. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, that wasn't the point, was it? <laughs> that's the point. I didn't want to include, and that's what the whole book is. I didn't want Sid James in there because what yeah. everyone knows about it's not it. an encyclopedia. Mm, but I, that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know. I, yeah. I made a decision what I wanted to do. If if it was going to have Sid James in there, what could I add on that? You know, mm-hmm. we all know about it. It's been written about loads of times, well documented. Tommy Cooper, you know, that the same. We all yeah. know about it. I couldn't add anything on that. There's far more greater authorities on that sort of thing than I am that have written about that. I, nothing. So 
I, you know, I was thinking, why? If you you've read the book, so you must know that that wasn't the point of it. It yeah. wasn't to include a host of cases that we all know about. It was to do the total opposite. But you know, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not. I'm that's not one person's opinion. Exactly. That's so true. I got um, I got my love for reading off my dad. So he's always asking me, "What are you reading?" And I was reading your book at the time, and he went, "Oh, what's it about?" And I was like, "Oh, it's death in the theatre, so it's about theatre deaths." And he went. Also said James and Tommy Cooper. See, when you said that, it just reminded yeah. me he said that yeah. to me. And it's so true because everybody knows it. Everybody oh. is aware of the story. You don't need to read it again and again and again. You don't. And that, that's not to, to belittle what happened to no. those chaps no. at all. It isn't. It's just it's been done many, many times over. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, I can't add anything to it. So why would I? Um and that's why I wanted to, to have the book just literally a case of, again, like famous last word, just where it's, for the most part, just cases that people haven't heard of and it's more kind of um, just normal people um, yeah. being caught up in some kind of awful tragedy. And, and that's what it's all about rather than, you know, just having another another book about things that we all know about. You know, Yeah, we don't want that. You see, you do, do you like watching TV shows with history or like films where you see Oppenheimer? Probably not. Um, but that's that's not to do with the fact that I, I wouldn't like to. I just generally don't get to the, the, <laughs> the pictures <laughs> in the cinema anymore, really. You have a five-year-old. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So if I'm going there, it'll be to watch like, I don't know, Peppa Pig goes on tour or whatever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I do love history stuff, though, Gemma. Yeah, but generally, like, um, and this is the thing with me. So you guys, you two know loads about loads of different things in history. I absolutely don't. I have the certain sort of things that I like to to learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? When we were talking about Titanic on our little group, um, on our WhatsApp group, um. And that's something which, yeah, <laughs> something that I can never watch enough about. So, uh, you know, I love that. Second World War, yeah. everything that came with that, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but I mean, what else do I love? Um, and I think as well, again, we touched on it right early in the the show tonight, but um, British history, as I've gotten older, loads more facets of it now I, I would entertain whereas in the past I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. um, and I don't know why that is I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and I'm thinking right you need to learn about these things before it's too, it's too late <laughs> not before sure. your final last words yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so I am interested in a lot of different things but um I think finding the time is the thing, you know, finding the time to to be able to put in as much as you would like is the difficulty, I think. Um, But, yeah. I've always liked, like, I've always been obsessed with history. Yeah. And when I was younger, I was into kings and queens. Mm. But I totally see that because when I was younger, I can remember both my grandfathers were in wars and they would tell their war stories all the time. They'd watch war documentaries. I liked the documentaries, but see, when they started talking about it, I kind of zoned out a little bit. And it's not until you get older you think, God, I just wish they were around. I want to hear these stories now. I wish I had listened more. I think um, when you get older, you just appreciate what people went through more. You don't appreciate that when you're a teenager. You can't post. You're just so in yourself as a teenager. It's you, your friends. You don't care. 
But when you get older and more life experience, you can appreciate what happens. You know, that's exactly exactly. Me and Charlotte, my wife, we were talking about this yesterday, literally yesterday, because people people just, you know, as we're all getting older, people just pass away and then suddenly that that last bit of history that goes with them, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you've you've gone there, you've lost that then. And it's it's a it's a crazy thing. And um I was listening to an interview with uh, Ian McKellen. Uh, a couple of weeks back and he was saying whatever you do ask your parents talk mm-hmm. to your parents and write stuff down because it might be the most stupidest thing it might be i don't know which way the walk to school i don't know whatever do you know what i mean any little thing and he was saying talk to them talk to your grandparents if you still have them talk to your parents if you still have them and just write stuff down and then you've got it because yeah. You know, none of us are here forever, and once you know the inevitable happens, then the, you know you, you haven't got that anymore, and um, you know you, you've lost. You know the Titanic survivors. Obviously, I think they'll they'll all be gone now, won't they? Um, I don't think there'll be any yeah. left. Um, Second World War, that'll yeah. happen. You know, in the in the near future, there'll be nobody left, and then you know, thankfully, there's a lot of documents and things like that. But but still, people will have their own their own stories, won't they? Mm-hmm. So, just, mm-hmm. well, and it's just, I think that's such an important thing to do. And that is probably the thing that I, I do try and speak to people about as much as possible. What was your life like? What did he used to do? Just little innocuous things. Yeah. You know, what did he eat? <laughs> Sounds silly, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, what, what was school like? What were your teachers like? Did you all have, did you all get the, you know, did you all get the cane? Did you all, what sort of stuff happened to it? Because it's just interesting, uh, and I think as the older I'm getting, the more yeah, I do find that history of, of pretty much of everything really, especially in our you know in in, in Britain, um, I am interested in in most bits of it. There's just not enough time to to dedicate to it all, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you want to add in, Ali? I think one thing. Uh, just circling back to. Um... What was it the the fact that some of the deaths and tragedies occurred sort of in the beginning of the twentieth century? So mm. the century all of us were born in, <laughs> so it's not yeah. that far far um, yeah. that long ago. And kind of yeah, it just occurred to me throughout the throughout the episode tonight that the tragedies they didn't couldn't remember are the people who lived in the cities. Like the eighty year old woman was surprised that she didn't know about something that happened. Mm-hmm either just before her or what have you. But we have an example of Aberfan disaster from, I think, 70s, 70s, yeah, 60s so. or 70s, it happened. And so many people had no idea when it came on um, the Crown TV show that it occurred at all. Many people had absolutely no idea. And that happened sort of, what, 10, 15, yeah. 20 years that, before we were born. Yeah, so that's, that's real recent history, isn't it? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it, it's funny you mention Aberfan because I'd, I'd never thought of it in this way, but I know I keep harking back to the Sunderland case, but somebody said to me, um, they, they said, Chris, I've read your book and I can't think of another case in British history where as many people have died in a single incident. So, you know, not obviously including bombings and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Time yeah. Things. But you've got, we mentioned it earlier, Hillsborough where 97 died, but this was 183. Mm-hmm. And Aberfan, I think, was 
I don't know, but it was it was less. It was like sixty, I think, something like that, something of that sort. I can't I can't remember. Which again is, is bad in itself because mm-hmm. that shows that I don't know enough about it. You know, I should know how many people were killed in that incident because it was a horrendous thing, and that is something that that you're right, not yeah, it's it's not well known that awfully like not a long time ago at all sort of rounds up really that what we're trying to do just bring things back and let people make them aware of some of the stuff that have that, that's gone on yeah in in a certain sphere which you know theatre life has been a big part of British yeah. life for, for centuries hasn't it you know mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah and actually yeah, it reminds me of the the last point um Gemma knows where I'm going <laughs> with it uh that the word theatre uh is connected to death, not just because you had deaths occurring in the theatre, because in Britain still, operating rooms are called theatre. Because yeah. originally, uh, what people being operated upon, it was in literally theatres with people pay tickets or what have you, and just watch popcorn, stand around and look at people being operated, and some of them died. So that, 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 so that happened? So yeah, because um, you had... So it's kind of evolution of hospitals. So at one point, sort of during the Victorian stage, it would would have been literal theatre. So one of them is still around in Southwark. Mm-hmm. Of the tours that go right past it, uh, the it's called the old operating theatre, old operating Victorian theatre, what have you. And literally, yeah, people. So the doctors would be operating on a patient. There'll be the audience watching the operation, and that's where the word theatre comes from when it comes to hospitals. Because in America, they now call them ORs, as I know from Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) 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 But I think in Britain, from what I know, they're still called theatres. Yeah. Yeah, you take you take you down to theatre when you go and get an operation. Yeah. It's a little weird how a lot of people will say, "Oh, watching how the the true crime Netflix is a massive thing right now," and people you'll have people who are obsessed with it like me, and then you'll have other people who are quite judgy about it. But I think weirdly, we've just always been obsessed with blood and gore. We, yeah. we watched executions back in the day. Then we go and we watch people getting their legs sawed off in the theatre or the operating theatre, and now we're watching it on Netflix. I think there is something about the humans. We just are obsessed with death. Yeah, and it's a funny thing that you say that, and you're absolutely right. Um, But I think for the most part, I think it's actually women who've enjoyed my books the most. (laughs) 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 Not to say that they're all, you know... It certainly is women that, uh, that, that seem to like this kind of thing and true crime stuff. And of course, you'll both hear, you know, the, the silly things like um, the, some of the fan mail that someone like Ted Bundy would get off, like hundreds yes. of women. You know what I mean? That yes, kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, there just seems to be some sort of morbid. I don't know if it was a curiosity or mm-hmm. what it is, but yeah, you've got far stronger stomachs than we have. Absolutely. <laughs> I wonder if that is a thing, though, that we're just a wee bit more immune to things like that, so it doesn't really bother us as much. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think with the, the whole that sort of Ted Bundy thing, I think there might be That's that. That's weird. Yeah, it is yeah, weird. But weird. is it that thing of, I don't know, uh, 
sort of a, a feminine instinct to, to try and like save them and change eat, them. Yeah, yeah, that, that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Is, is yeah. that what it's about for some of them? I, I think don't. so. There's something in that. It's, it's, you'll hear, um, I mean, Natalie, you'll probably heard the same as women. You'll hear one of your girlfriends say, Oh, but he'll change for me. Oh, yeah. Shush. <laughs> shush. <laughs> Gosh, yes, you know, it won't happen that way, no. <laughs> if it could kill me, yes, you would. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's something about the, it's always cool to be with a bad guy as well, and it's like, yeah, there's, there's a bad guy, and then there's a serial killer. I mean, mm. come on, a guy that likes motorcycles is fine, but, you know, serial killer, not so much. No. Oh, you're spot on, I don't know. Um, but oh, I did want to ask you two something, and it's... It probably sounds a little bit uh, self-important. I don't mean it to. But which book did you prefer? Ooh. Oh, no, I don't do that to me. <laughs> Honestly, um, I think probably the first one. Yeah. But by a very narrow margin. Yeah. I hope I'm not offending the second book. No, no, not at all. I thought you would say that, to be honest, Natalie, yeah. And uh, I don't... She's <laughs> looking at Gemma's face. I'm not sure what she would say. I, but really, I really don't know. I, I think she was going to kill me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I like this one better. I actually think I like this one better. I think I like this one better because uh, quite a lot of the ones in the first one I couldn't relate to as much. I mean, yeah. some of the way the way they die and stuff, I couldn't really relate to them that yeah. much. Whereas this one, it could happen to you. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Maybe not the guy who murdered his ex-wife, but some yeah. of the stuff you could don't know. happen to you. I mean, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> um, no, but... I thought it was more relatable as somebody who loves the theatre and um, yeah. I used to be a dancer in the theatre, so it was so relatable. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought you would both say, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really good. <laughs> uh, I kind of get that, yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, right. I'm, uh, I'm pleased yeah. they both appeal to you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Thank you Thank so you. much for your time. We really Thank you, Chris. It. Thank you so much for tuning into our first episode ever. Please like, subscribe and share with your friends. So for today's episode, our guest was Chris Wood. Please find his books, Final Last Words and Death in the Theatre on Pen and Sword website. The link is in the description of this episode. You can find Chris on Instagram. His handle is at he writes at night. And with Gemma and myself, you can find us on social media. The handle is at if it ain't baroque podcast. The website is if it ain't baroque Dot art. If you'd like to join me on my walking tours, please check out reignoflondon.com. That's R-E-I-G-N. And thank you so much and see you next time.